Welcome. I'm Therese Padegian, host and founder of Soulful Practices in Business. In this podcast, we have conversations that are created in the moment about managing business and practice life for soulful, intuitive practitioners. Um, but you're a fabulous... Where do we start? For 30 years, mm. um, I got into it uh, while well, my husband became a chiropractor. And you know what? I'll start there because this is kind of an amazing, it's an amazing story of coincidence and weirdness about yeah. how, how we got into chiropractic. Okay, please. Um, we were, uh, I was, uh, I, uh, we were living in Dallas. Um, we, when I met Mark, he was a neighbor and we got together and, you know, we, whatever <laughs> we were together mm-hmm. he he uh he wasn't going to school but i was going to school i was um i was going to school i was studying uh, philosophy i was working i think either then on my master i had i was probably working on my masters and headed towards a phd and i was going to teach philosophy uh, as a professor in a university in the united states and that, and this was my dream and i all the time I talked about how much I loved school. I loved it. I just, and so Mark started saying, oh, I want to go to school. He had dropped out of high school. So it, it, you make it sound so wonderful. I want to go to school. So um, he was probably going to go into architecture because what he did for a living was um, he just repaired houses and you know did odd jobs. But I got pregnant with our first daughter and I had horrible sciatica Mm. and um, we lived in the center of Dallas. Uh, We lived in the center of Dallas, which is this huge sprawling uh, metroplex of of various cities around. It just goes on for miles and miles the way American cities do. Mm. And so my university was 35 minutes in one direction and or 40 minutes in one direction if the traffic was good and he mark used to play judo about 45 minutes in the other direction and he used to play with a guy who was a chiropractic student Hmm. and they used to do what's called randori you know just practicing judo together and um i developed really bad sciatica with my pregnancy and I, uh, it, it got worse and worse, and I was working on this master's in philosophy, and they were, you're allowed to take one or two classes totally unrelated to your major, and I couldn't, by the time I came to choosing a class, there was nothing left, and so the only thing left was this theater improv class, and I'm the most non-theater person in the world. Right, so I'm just this very, I'm quiet, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not physical, I'm not anything, and, uh, and, you know, and I don't look like anything, and I, I'm not loud, and, and so I'm like, oh, I got, you know, and so I sign up, and, um, and I'm having a terrible time walking with the sciatica. It's, it's not so much the pain, but my leg keeps going out, you know, and I keep, uh, so I've got a cane, my uh, Obi, my um, obstet- obstetrician, says, oh, there's nothing we can do about this. Well, you know, you're pregnant. There's nothing that can be done. So when I get to the class, it's all theater people, right? It's all, you know, and they all know each other and everybody's there. And the professor says, I'm going to pair you up and you will w- be with this person 
for the whole of the semester. And so she's going to all the theater lovies, you know, she says, you and you, and they go, oh my God, I can't believe, oh, kissy, kissy, kissy. And everybody's, you know, kissy, kiss, oh my God. And, uh, and at the very end of the class, there's just these two people left and it's me. And I'm like this, I'm a, a wooden board. And then there's this other wooden board, a guy. And, and so she says, and you and you. And so his name is Greg and he's going to chiropractic school. He's about to graduate. And he has been told by his, uh, his clinic doctor that um, he'll never make it as chiropractor because he has no personality. And to take improv to develop an outgoingness, a, a being with people thing. So this guy is super wooden and um, everybody's getting into the class. And, you know, it, it's improv in the sense of you got, they would, you would, she would come and tie you to the other, to your person, right? She'd tie your wrist and your knees and, and you're tied completely together. And she'd say, now, uh, pretend to be a snake and get out of the room and go to the next room. And, you know, and it's just like the worst thing ever, you know, it's just horrible, horrible for a non-theater person. Mm. And, uh, he, and, and of course I'm really struggling with my hip and he says, to me, you know, and it, every week it's getting worse. He says, you know, I can help you. you if you came to the clinic, uh, I could help, you know, I could help you. With, and I'm like, Greg, please, don't tell me about this quackery. Don't tell me about this. Like, you know, I don't want to hear this. And so we go on and it's getting worse, it's getting worse. Meanwhile, my husband is, Mark, is having, um, doing judo training with, a guy who's said, and he's saying, Oh, my poor wife, she's struggling. Uh, so he says, well, get her to come in. And so Mark is like, why don't you go see this guy? And I'm like, no, that's, that's dangerous. Don't you know how dangerous that is? And so it goes on. So if you think of, you know, like I said, Dallas here, 45 minutes, this 40 minutes this way, my school, 40 minutes this way, the judo dojo. About a 45 minutes, an hour the other way is the chiropractic school. So three separate places. So finally I get to the point where I can't walk anymore. And I get a call on the phone and the, the guy says, uh, Lynn, you don't know me, but I play judo with your husband. And, and uh, he's told me about your sciatica and I'd like you to come in. And I'm like, Greg, and he says, Lynn, Greg, Lynn. And it's the same guy. It's the same guy. I'm like a city of 3 million people, right? There's 3 million people. And this guy, this wooden chiropractor who plays judo over here, and does this one class at my university that I shouldn't be in and he shouldn't be in. And it's the same guy. And I'm like, okay, I get this. I need to come in. And of course, one thing know. I'm hearing here, it's called divine intervention. Lynn. <laughs> divine, divine That's all I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I go, of course, chiropractic, sciatica gone 
easy birth, every, you know, everything's fine. And so Mark has the solution, you know, he's going to go to chiropractic school. Well, I was already in, by that time I was in my master's, I was uh, about to begin, you know, I was doing, doing PhD then. So, and, you know, I just did not, I could have, in retrospect, I could have become a chiropractor, uh, but I didn't. And so we eventually, we ended up in Europe and, um, you know, we, we came to Europe with nothing, just two little kids, no money, a lot of debt. Um, we were very, very poorly treated by the association. There were, in, in, at that time in Spain, there were 32 chiropractors. And you, you would think that in a city of, in a country of 40 million, they would be like, come on, yeah, we need more chiropractors. They're like, don't come. There's no work for you here. You, chiropractors here see one patient a day on average and they live on, in poverty. Don't come. And, and it's like, too late, we've already bought our tickets. So we, wow. we show up, we, you know, but the added, you know, but what happened was, um, it was such a horrible feeling. It was such a rejection mm. uh, of us that I said at that time, I will never let anybody, any other chiropractor come to Spain and experience what we experienced. So what I did was, and this was long before internet or anything, I started, when I knew that somebody had come uh, to Spain, I would call them and say, you know, hi, uh, I, I run a chiropractic office in New York. If there's anything I can help you with, if, you, if there's anything, setting it up, the legal stuff, anything that you need, let me know and I'll help you. And, and I helped all of the original chiropractors that came, you know, the first, I don't know, about the first hundred people or so until mm. it started to build, uh, you know, and then I moved away from that. But it, it got me involved in, in coaching, uh, you know, in, in being able to share. If you can teach what you know, it helps you know what you know even deeper. Mm -hmm. And we had, uh, we had the, for many years, we had not just the most uh, successful practice in Spain, but in all of Europe. Uh, and, and then we, you know, we, people wanted to be coached and we started doing seminars and we, we started getting into, into all of, all of that. When, uh, when you talk about me being nurturing, that is mm. my, my my very much my basic person that if I, if I was an architect archetype, I would be, you know, I would be the mother archetype. Mm. Right. But I also see myself as a warrior and, and as a very, very fierce warrior. And, and I don't think those two things are incompatible at all. Um, I see myself as the mother bear, uh, loving and and kind and oh can you hear it somebody's got a motor uh lawnmower going <laughs> let me just going back to how i see myself mm. is that to you know it's it's what i the what i love about myself is that is is my mothering nature my 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 gentleness my playfulness you know and i often 
uh, when I'm meditating, I, 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 I have a sense of a mother bear with her cubs on her, playing on her stomach, you know, mm. just lying in the sun, uh, just, and just swooping, swooping one paw into the stream and getting a salmon and feeding her babies. And, and, but at any moment, ever, at any moment, just able to, 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 to leap up and be ferocious. Mm. And, uh, and the idea that women have to be feminine and delicate all the time and look for a man to rescue them, uh, it, it's, nev it's never been me. It's never mm. been me. And, and, I, and for me, it is, it is that warrior-nurturer, uh, nurturer-warrior, either way yeah. around. Wow. That, that is, is, so is what I love. Can I just take it back? I want to take it back to you deciding to move the family to Europe. Why? That's the first thing. Second thing is there is a trend for chiropractors. Once they finish, it's like they do want to go abroad, right? So I'm actually quite curious why Spain and um, yeah, share a little bit about that. So uh, we, we were, we were fortunate. Uh, we were both were blessed in that we're Americans, mm. uh, but Mark's mother is French. And so he had lived in Europe uh, as a child and my mother was English and I had spent my childhood going ah. back and forth. Uh, across the Atlantic to, to the UK, living in the States in the UK. So we were in Dallas and, and it's a big, uh, it's a harsh, it's a big city. It's, it's, it's all about making money. It's all about, there's, you know, there was not a high quality of life. There's no nature really around there. So uh, to speak of anything of interest, you know, like Dallas is, it, it just goes on, like I said, it goes on for miles and miles. And then it ends and then there's nothing, you know, it's just on the plane and there's nothing. There's not, all the lakes are artificial. There's no mountains there. There's just nothing. Um, so we wanted, we knew we wanted to get out when Mark graduated. Um, my idea had been that I could, as a professor, when I, had, when I finished my PhD, I could, I could work anywhere as a professor and, and he would just come and set up his practice wherever I was. So I would mm. be the one leading, leading the charge. Um, in, in the end, what happened was uh, we had a, a handyman who, um, that we would call on to do work for us or to do work for Mark's grandmother. And um, really nice guy. And um, he was, he got married. They had their honeymoon, you know. We didn't know them well, but you know, like an acquaintance type situation that we had worked with. And uh, shortly after they were married, they were jogging together and a, somebody came out of the bushes, killed the husband and raped his wife right there uh, by, by the lake. And, you know, and I mean, it was just like a horrible thing. Um, and then a few months later, um, another friend of ours who had her, her daughter was the same age as our daughter, which at that point was two and a half. Uh, they found the daughter wandering in the streets covered in blood and they found her mother dead. And, and, so, and it was just these two things. And that year in Dallas, uh, there were 500 murders. 
And, and I can remember our babysitter was a young Hispanic girl. Mm. Uh, she had been to, um, I think she told us she'd been to 11 funerals of, of young boys and that she, or, or young men that she mm. knew. And she was like 18. And it's like, nah, we want out. We just, we were sick of the States. We were sick of the States. Mm. This was uh, 94. And Mark had lived in Mallorca as a child, and he remembered this paradise, you know, this paradise island of the, uh, of the, I guess it would have been the, the late, uh, the early 70s. Mm. And, um, and he just, well, we'll go there. It's beautiful. We'll just go there. And, and we, end, we did end up here. It's not, uh, it's a lot more developed than it was, but it's still this amazing, amazing place. And we came here, we came from a place where you have to be concerned about violence and guns and you can't take your eyes off your kids for a moment. Uh, you know, you, you, no way you can let them go out and play or anything. To, uh, to a place where children are just out uh, by themselves. There's, there's no danger. We, you know, we live in a village where we haven't, we don't lock our doors, you know, and, and, you know, and there's no crime. And we, we didn't even have a police officer in this village until COVID uh, when they sent one from somewhere else. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, no, yeah, we got a Guardia Seville, what they're called now. But, um, he, he, well, we did used to have one that would come between 12 and 3 if you needed to you know, if somebody needed to something. commit a crime in our village, <laughs> to this is our time. So, so it's like is, very, very peaceful. Is Mallorca an island? Is that right? And if I said it correctly. It is an island. And what is the population of, of this island? I think it's about 800,000. Oh, yeah, it's a big island. Oh, it's tiny. It's not big. It's an hour and a half across. It's an hour and a half. Eight hundred thousand population. Uh, maybe that now sounds too much. Maybe okay. six hundred thousand. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> right. It's we've got we've got a city of about um, I would say it's about four hundred thousand. I'm terrible with numbers. Yeah. Uh, and then small towns. We've got tourist beaches. Uh, on obviously on the coast. Yeah. Uh, tourist beaches on the coast, on a couple of the coasts. And then uh, we live in the interior, in the mountains, in a small village. Wow. So Sounds divine. That, dream, that do dream of leaving where you are, if you're in the rat race, it, it is going into another culture is, is a wonderful experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 funny that you should say that and how when I reached out to you I want to talk to I wanted to talk about conscious practices that's actually a conscious practice of where do you want to live and for me I actually live somewhere that's boat access only I live in a national park now I only have there's only like 200 pop, um, 200 like blocks of land and not all of them are filled up so if there is about 50 people here that's it. There's nothing else, right? So when you said 800,000, I'm like, Lynn, that's, that's a big city. But it's, it's this thing of having a conscious practice of where you actually want to be. And what I've realised for me, Lynn, is, um, and I don't know, I'd love for you to share a little bit more on this as well. 
when I was practicing where I thought I needed to practice or I thought I had to do something, it actually wasn't working for me. It was because like, I just thought I needed to be there mentally. Now that I'm here, there is no way anyone can find me, Lynn. I cannot tell you how busy I am from my home. And I'm like, whoa. And there's a part of me that goes, have you, you know, there's a lot of clinics out there who aren't busy, who aren't doing a whole bunch of stuff. And my head goes, have you actually consciously thought about from your heart where it is that you want to be, not from your head where you think it's a good idea because, you know, a bus stops here and a lot of people walk by or this is a good location. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's when I, when I talk to, when I mentor students, chiropractic students, I always tell them, Go where you want to be. Go where your heart is sending you. Uh, because so many chiropractic students like, oh, well, this, this, this guy is paying a lot of money. Yep. And, it, and it's not even the type of chiropractic they want to do. You know, mm. they want to be a, I don't know, a horse chiropractor, but they're going to go work for, a, a, you know, somebody in the suburbs. Do, you know, it, it's a no, because you're going to get stuck there and you're going to get burnt out. Just don't. Really don't think about the money mm. that comes. Be, be where, of course you've got to work at it. It's not like I'm exactly where I want to be. Now all the money will come to me. But, mm. it, but it is, it's go in that direction. Uh, you um, know, years ago, uh, when, we were, when we were both in school, I wrote down, you know, I want to be, I want to be near the sea. I, you know, I want to, I want to, I want a beautiful house. I want an organic garden. I want fountains. I want a, a pond. I want, you know, I want it to, to the, the land to go into nature. And I wrote it all down. Uh, and I still have that written down. And I, I kind of did a, a diagram of what I wanted the house to look like because I wanted it to have a central courtyard. I really like the romantic idea of having a central courtyard. And, and then I found it years later and it's, I've got, I've got everything on that list I did when, when we were, you know, when we were students mm. and the only part of it that didn't come true was it's not exactly a, a, a courtyard. It's three sides of the house. And then um, the, uh, a large wall that goes up to the to the higher gardens because it's terrace land but it's almost exactly what wow. I was looking for what I dreamed of having for you know one day which was when I dreamed that way when I when I was when that drew me I lived in in the center of Dallas we had no money we were 250,000 in debt. Uh, we're thousands of miles from the sea. You know, it's just the, it's surrounded by big highways and cars and, you know, it's like an impossible dream, but it was, it was pulling us in that, you know, we went yeah. with kind of the yeah. dream we were, what we were looking for. That again is, so yeah. It, it again is another conscious practice of writing down. I do vision boards and where I'm living now, if you saw what I did, just kind of created something in 2016 I did, 
I cannot tell you, it, it's like the whole thing has just come to fruition and there was a lot of votes on there. Now, I don't like voting. Like, I just, I don't. It's not me. I'm not a real water person. I own a boat. You can only get here via boat. Um, there was a waterfall. Like, and I had this affirmation, Lynn, that said, um, uh, you know, I live in, I, I live in something like a natural land and I have a waterfall in my backyard. I literally have a waterfall just round the corner if you just kind of go around the property and I'm like, this is crazy. So it's like this idea of creating. Can you share a little bit more? And this is, I'd love for you to, to speak more about the journaling too, because uh, you were mentioning that at Cairo Europe. Can you share a little bit more and the idea of some people do, when I tell people to journal, they go, well, I don't know how to do it. So uh, I, 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 I actually, I have a, uh, a self journal. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm working and I'm actually working on creating my own something different, more personal to me. Yep. Uh, because I'm 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 not an organized person. I'm very much a uh, and you know just a like do, doing things whatever comes and you know I don't like structure. I don't like routine. But what what I find uh, if I have too much of the no routine, no structure, it it it, it it kind of messes with my, um, I don't know, it messes with me a bit. So I need some artificial structure. And mm. for me, that's, that's morning time. And when I'm doing it, you know, when I'm getting up and following this routine and, and doing this all the time, which I don't always because when life gets stressful and when I, when I actually need it the most is when I step away from it, of course, because I'm a flawed human being. Uh, but when I'm doing it, I feel, you know, I just like, okay, this is really good. Uh, so what I do is I, um, I get up, I, I, I meditate. I like to meditate in the dark before it gets light. Mm. And uh, because the melatonin is still flowing. And so I'm not, you know, I don't have any serotonin. So I can just slip from sleep right into, into uh, a, a different state. Uh, and then I, uh, in the journal, I read my what is what I call my ultimate goal. Uh, so when when I first started learning about goals years and years ago, you know, which when we were students, it's they you know they always said, oh, you know, dream big, think big, and what they're really saying is think shallow, you know, think shallow. Uh, you know, I want. Fifty million dollars, and yes. all, you know, I want to. I want to this. I want to <laughs> Yeah. No, I want that. <laughs> Understood. I, you know, you know, a Learjet. I, I heard a chiropractor say that once, and, and I'm like, for what chiropractic? You're not going to get that kind of money unless you marry a Saudi princess. <laughs> uh, cost a million dollars to maintain a million dollars just to have it sit and not go anywhere, right? why use the world's mother earth's precious resources so you can have a piece of metal sitting somewhere anyway neither here nor there but it is it's like think shallow think and and what i realized um if one day i will die one day uh and i meditate a lot on death uh the different ways that that i might die uh, and, you know, I, th I think that's uh, something that we should all do. We avoid death, thinking about it and dealing with it 
And yet it, it is the one factor that we all have in common. Every human being will die. We're not comfortable with it and we, just, we don't talk about it. But the more comfortable we are with it, uh, the richer I think life becomes. And so I, I came up with what is my, um, my, what I call my deathbed goal. Mm. And so, which I actually stopped calling it deathbed goal because I didn't actually want to say the word deathbed every day. Yeah. But so I called it my ultimate goal and it's in the front of my journal and I read it uh, and it says, um, my ultimate goal is to live to an extreme old age with enough money to do everything I choose, surrounded by my loving family, in excellent health, helping other people achieve a better life. And that's it. That's my goal. That's my goal. And it takes in every aspect of everything. And if I can say that when I'm on my deathbed, you know, because nobody's on their deathbed saying, I had a Learjet. I had a Learjet. No, it's like, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I'd spent more time helping other people. So I worked with my goals, with everything, I, and my journal, I work back from there. I'm reminding myself every day, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to serve, it sounds trite, but I don't know what else we're here for. We're here to give love and receive love, right? And so in my journal, I read that. Um, I generally have some, some, some short-term 13-week goals that, I, that I'll read. Uh, to two or three of those that I remind myself of. And then I, I ask myself uh, Benjamin Franklin's question, uh, how, uh, what good will I do in the world today? Right? And so I, I, I might make a note on that. Uh, and at the end of the day, I write down what good did I do in the world today? And that can be a humbling experience because sometimes, you know, you're like, I didn't do anything good today. You know, maybe the only thing I did good today was to feed the birds, you know, uh, or, or to pick up a, you know, to pick up a, a, an earthworm and put it back into the soil. Uh, it, it, keeps, it keeps me focused on, on that. What I'm here for and what I'm doing to achieve that. Lynn, this is in a terms of game changer. I'm sorry. Oh, I, can I just stop you for one moment? This is such a huge game changer. Two things that you've said. First one is, you know, when you do set a goal, and yes, I do, it's like, you know, I want the car, I want the boat, you know, I have like money, like kind of, you know, pay pictures of money. And it's like, no, that's actually not what they're talking about. And then the, the idea of, yes, I am actually comfortable with death. I'm so comfortable with it, right? Um, I don't even call it that. I just call it the next transition to I'm here for this amount of time and then, oh, I don't know what's next, but I'm excited. But um, this is a totally different ball game of actually writing. It's this is how I want my transition to look like. That is huge because that's, you know, people say what's your legacy or what's your, you know, what's your mission? But when you state it the way you do, there's such a depth to it. Um, I'm going to start incorporating it. So sorry, I just wanted to say that is a game changer. You've significantly impacted my life right here, right now. 
um, and okay. all the people who were going to listen. So, okay, now you can continue. I just, I just had to pause and sync that in for me. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. So, so, so that, um, th that's by starting the day like that, you know, by, 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 by beginning each day like that. And like I said, I get off track just like mm. anybody else. And, and, and then I'm beating up on myself because I'm not doing it. And why aren't you doing it? And, you know, and then I have to lovingly bring myself back. Okay, let's get started again. No judgment, just start again. Um, by doing that, then um, for the rest of the day, uh, I can be as all over the place as I like, right? I can, uh, you know, I, can, I don't need a routine, unfortunately, because I'm not a chiropractor. <laughs> and my work is every blood, every, every cell of you is a chiropractor. You don't need to have a degree. Keep going. <laughs> so I, I can, you know, I can just bookend my day with that, with, the beginning what good am I going to do today and the end what good did I do today and that you know that's basically it and I and I write you know I might I don't generally write an awful lot occasionally if you know a lot of time if I write a lot it's because I've had some emotional impact during the day some you know like something that has happened that that has some kind of emotional uh, component to it where I find that if I write it down it, it becomes more clear to me what 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 was what was actually happening in that in that situation um, and and I can find some peace or some calm from from that um, that's yeah I don't, that, I don't that's know. interesting with um, when I started my writing I did um, Julia Cameron's the artist's way where she does the morning pages have you heard of that one and yes, I have. So yeah. I was committed to doing three pages, but what I realised was when you just said, when I write more, um, I realised how much I judge myself. It was like, well, what sheet of paper am I supposed to do it on? Can I miss lines? Big writing, small writing. And um, it was just, and that was a process for me that I realised going, Therese, if you're judging, like, even how you're supposed to be doing this, what else are you judging in your life? So I've been journaling now since 2016. And yes, once I got that, everything's eased off. But it's interesting that you say the more emotional things, like you actually seem to write more. And then, um, yeah, that's actually really, really interesting to note. So, Liv, can I take this? Can we go back to something that you said earlier, which I want to disagree with you? And it was like, oh, yeah, it was like the idea of um, being the nurturer and then being the warrior and they're not two compatible things. And is that, did I understand, did I hear that correctly? Uh, I think they are totally compatible. Oh, I compatible, really good. Because okay. I'm like, they're compatible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it, it is, it is the same thing, yeah. you know, it, it, it and, and that's why, for me, that the mother bear is such a symbol for me, because mm. she is both those things. In a moment, if you, if you go near her cubs, in a moment she will turn. In a mm. moment she will turn and be the most ferocious creature there is, you know, with, with, uh, with claws that, are, that could mm. just rip your face up. 
So, uh, and yet there she is with those cubs and it's, and she's just playful and loving and protective. And, you know, there's not much point in being nurturing if you cannot protect, hmm. excuse me, <coughs> as well. So yeah, so that, so to me, they, they totally are compatible. Are compatible. No, you're right. Uh -oh. If you need a water, go for it. Then I totally agree with you, Lynn, because I thought, for some reason, I thought you said that um, they're totally incompatible. I'm like, Lynn, they're the same thing. The feminine essence is are. this. It's such a nurturing space, but you cross that line, you just watch out. It's, it's a corruption of, to me, it's a corruption of what is the feminine to say, oh, it's delicate, you know, we, we can be those things too, delicate and gentle and, and fragile, uh, but to say we're only that, you know, to say that women are only this one thing, that that is, that's a, that's a just patently not true, mm. you know. Women have always had to be strong. We've always had to be strong. We're birthing, we were birthing babies under trees and, and then picking the baby up and going off and, you know, doing whatever we had to do. We've always been strong. And it's this society puts that thing on us that we have to be delicate and, you know, and, and faint at the sight of blood. It's like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> you know, those, those old 1950s movies or something, you know, oh, no, blood, oh. <laughs> it's like we blood every month. What? 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 Who are these women? <laughs> you know? Wow. So yeah, and we're little girls are 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 get pushed into this idea that that's all we are. That we Ooh. we have to be protected and rescued and, and you know no 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 mm. no. I do want to take that conversation there because I think it's interesting. I think the strongest person I know on this planet is my mum is my mother. She is so strong, Lynn. And when I bought this property, I have no idea about, I was so out of my depth and I still am, but you know what? It's like someone just put me on a boat, got me the keys and go, right, you have to drive it over to the other side. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. Right. And I've been here and it's amazing how people have come out. Like some of the people who live here, they're like, we just want to say, you know, you're doing really great. And I'm like, Thanks. And there's a part of me that's like, is it because I'm a female? Is it because I'm a female and I have no, or is it just because I'm totally out of my depth? I have no idea how to start a fire. I have no idea how gas works. I have no idea how half, how half the things function. Right. But it's this thing of my head goes, are you thinking because I'm a female that, you know, I shouldn't be able to do this or like, what is that? logical there or is it because i'm on my own that's the other thing that's the first question are you here on your own it's like yeah i actually am and i'm just like you know what and yeah i'm strong and i can actually do this so it's like don't mess with me but um we with that as i sorry where i'm leading to um one of the things is i'm actually where i am at the moment it's like i'm really seeking female mentors for female nurturing and what I have realized is for so many years, I've actually consumed a lot of male material, like or led by men or subscribed to that, which is there's nothing wrong because it's got me to where I need to get to, right? 
Um, but what's actually interesting is this idea of seeking this, this feminine essence. Is there something that you can share with that length or you'd like to take a little bit more and, and enlighten us? Okay. So I, um, I, I have, um, for many years I've, um, I've been uh, involved in um, experiential work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, I'm a firewalk leader and I'm a sweat lodge leader. I do. And uh, <laughs> Just like you're a chiropractor. Um, yep. And, uh, well, but, th- but this is true. I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and one of the things that I do uh, with, 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 a, um, with a friend of mine, um, we, we, we have experiential um, events um, that we've been doing, well, these particular events for women only, we've been doing for five years with, with like a group of five of us. Yeah. And it, or the way it works is we put on an, a women's, in, women in chiropractic empowerment event at my house uh, for three days. And the, the, it could be chiropractors or it could be spouses or CAs. It could, you know, just associated with chiropractic. Uh, so the money they pay, uh, it goes directly to charities that support uh, women and children in, in the developing world, particularly wow. education mm-hmm. uh, for women. And so, uh, so it's, it's, um, it's a way of empowering women uh, on two levels. So we do, we do the events and, you know, and then the money raised goes to help children in India or in Africa. And, and, and what the events involve is, is like between 40 and 50 women together. Uh, we do a series of exercises. Uh, the, sweat, the sweat lodge probably is, is the biggest thing. Uh, we do that the first night, and um, I've been a I've been a sweat lodge leader for some years now. I I've been doing sweat lodges uh, for I guess um, maybe twenty four years, and my mentor uh, River passed that on to mm. me to become a sweat lodge leader. Um, I'm not Native American, of course, but I uh, I borrow their some of their traditions. Uh, to do the sweat lodge and and I meld that with my own conception of of, um, of kind of Jungian archetypes um, mm. and or animal spirits and it's a process of the sweat lodge is is a very it's a very um, it's an incredible purifying releasing um, releasing experience the sweat lodge takes about three hours sometimes more uh it goes until it ends so i don't i don't know you know three two and a half hours to four and a half hours sometimes it's incredibly hot it's uh it can involve you know you kind of go into a trance Mm. um it's very, very different when it's all women. Usually my sweat lodges, um, uh, it's mixed. And so I have man, woman, man, woman to, to have the, the energy distributed. But when it's all women, um, it's a totally different experience. Mm. And 
sometimes we have uh, we've had um, we've had the sense like the joint hallucination or whatever you want to call it I don't know what it would be of a group of old ancient women coming and sitting amongst us wow. in the dark and mm. you know and not everybody in the sweat lodge had that but it's like did you did you yeah yeah I thought it was just me you know wow. and and we really what we do is it it's purifying it's a connection to all of the mothers and all of the grandmothers of the past all the way back going all the way back uh, to the beginning and coming all the way up through us and into the future, mm. into all the future generations of women that will pass through us and, and have passed. Um, it's getting rid of all the things that hold us back. This, I always say that the sweat lodge is the safest place you will ever be. We are in our mother's womb and we are waiting to be reborn. And we are sisters here in this room. And whatever we express and we share we, and we let go of, the rocks that are in the center there, the rocks have been um, in a fire all day. And so the, the sweat lodge tender brings them in, puts them into the center of the lodge. Uh, and then I pour water on them. So there's, it's incredibly hot and steamy. But to the Native Americans, everything is alive. Everything has, has intelligence, just like in chiropractic, right? Universal intelligence is in everything. Mm. And for the Native Americans, rocks were the grandfathers and the grandmothers. And so when they are there in the sweat lodge, they are participating as the ancient ones. And so uh, they're giving us this experience. They're, they're giving us this heat so that we can have this intense experience. And whatever we share in the sweat lodge, and when it's a group of women, it can be the most horrific things. You know, being uh, raped when they were three and watching their brother raped when he was by her side. And, you know, all these terrible, terrible things. And yet we don't try to save each other. We don't, oh, well, have you thought about therapy? And why don't you this? And it's like uh, what we say in the sweat lodge is ho, ho, sister, ho. Mm. I hear you. I support you. I am with you. But I don't try to fix you. Mm. you know. And we just release and we release and we release everything that's holding us back, everything that's keeping us from our power uh until we you know when it's all gone when it's come all out of us we've we've just sent it up into the steam in this sweat lodge uh then we move on to the other rounds you know there's four rounds that's that's the first round and the last round um one of the rounds is the bear which is courage you know and mm. ferocity and what you and standing up for what you believe in the last round is the um, is is the buffalo, and the buffalo. Uh, the symbolism of the buffalo is the buffalo gives back. The buffalo, when the Native Americans killed a the buffalo, they used every bit of it. You know, they weren't like us. 
And they would say a prayer to the buffalo before they killed the buffalo to say, thank you for giving your life for my family. And so they would use every bit, the blood, the meat, to make food, the, the leather to make their clothes, their housing, their shoes, the guts to make the, 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 the strand of the arrow, the, um, the bones to make their buttons for their clothes, everything, the horn, everything was used until it was used up. And so the buffalo is a symbol of, I give, I, I have to give everything back. I'm not taking anything out of this world with me. That Learjet doesn't go with me. You know, that Learjet mm. stays here and I go. Uh, and just like the buffalo, what am I leaving behind? What have I given? What have I given in this world? And, and, and you know, the buffalo gives everything. And, I, and, and so that as a, as a symbol, as an, as an archetype, the giver, uh, to me is, is super powerful. So, so when women come out of that experience, and then we do other exercises, so through, you know, um, different exercises that, empower us and make us feel comfortable about being able to talk about ourselves because women who in society women who express too much are might be considered crazy or opinionated or bossy or you know mm. or braggy or all those things and it's like no these are some tactics on how you can do this in this in a way and be powerful and then on the last evening, we do the firewalk, which is like a mm. celebration of, you know, and that's, and again, a mixed firewalk is very different from an all-woman firewalk. It is an, it's an incredible experience to do a, a, an all-woman firewalk. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty spectacular. Wow. The energy and the, just the, the, the sheer celebration, no ego, no ego, because you know, unfortunately, sometimes men will go across in, in ego, you know, uh, they'll, they'll just keep walking and, you know, they'll do it once and twice and, you know, just to, Hey, I did it 10 times and they'll keep walking until they burn themselves. And it's really good. Mm. What, you know, whatever, every, we all have our lessons to learn, but when, when women do a firewalk in that situation, there's no ego. It's just sisters celebrating. So, yeah, so that's, wow. that's well, one of the things to do. What an acknowledgement, and that just kind of grounds me. What an acknowledgement for for the female, you know? What an acknowledgement for that. And I'm like, hey, when these borders open, I'm sign me up. I'm coming to do a sweat lodge, Lynn, an all female sweat lodge. Wow. And is that sorry? Can I just ask? Is that something that you do on a yearly basis? You've said you've done it for five years now, and it's all at. Yep. In Spain? It's at my house, yeah. It's at your house. Okay. Yeah. It's the... house, yeah. In in a little in a little village. I have um I have land uh kind of going up the like I said, terrace going up the mountain. Yeah. And um and we have specific le levels for um for uh where the where we do the, the firewalk, where we do the sweat lodge, uh, where we do different events. So yeah. So we do it once once a year. Mm. Um it's uh, right now it's impossible we usually we have to do this between um has to be between october and april this year we 
it's all up in the air. I, I just, mm -hmm. you know, we're. You mean for 2021? How, you know, hopefully we're, we can get back to doing it. But right now, um, it, it's so difficult with COVID knowing what they're going to tell us next. You know, yeah. what, what, there's all, we don't, we don't right now, we're, we're fine on the island. Um, mm. But we're all having to wear masks if we leave the house for all the time. Yeah. Uh, so you know, who knows? Who knows what the future holds at this point? Mm. But that the plan is that. And the money in the future, um, my friend and I have started a um, have started a charity called Arise Mama Africa, mm. and the money will go to educating girls first in Morocco. Um, getting uh, the hope would be to get young girls to to chiropractic school ultimately. In, uh, and I've seen this in where I've done work in Africa and in India is um, a lot of times the reason little girls get pulled out of school is not so much that they, the parents don't, you know, there's some of this, they don't think it's valuable for a, a daughter to have education. But one of the reasons, it's a, it's a very practical reason, um, people live in small villages and there's a village school and, and the little girls can just go back and forth to the village school. But when they hit 11 or 12, they have to go to high school, which is usually in a town. And mm. that's usually a distance away, which would mean walking some miles. And there's always the risk of rape, right? Mm. So a lot of times in, in, in I've seen this in India, in, 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 in India, I've seen this in Africa. Uh, in, in or, or, or I haven't actually seen it in Morocco, but my friend is Moroccan mm. and, and she's told me that, that this is an issue there. So a simple, this, the simple solutions, to, so the girls get pulled out. And of course, if you're 12 and you're pulled out, and whatever, 13, whatever, then you get married off. And then, you know, you're somebody, you're your husband's problem, not, not theirs yeah. to keep from being raped. But it's, it's this simple thing of the girl can't get from here to a, to a, sen to a, to a, a senior school uh, without being in danger. So they don't, they don't get to mm. go. So solutions are either having, um, having a boarding school where village girls go and stay during the week and then come home only on the weekend on the bus, or actually providing a bus that goes from the village to the, uh, to the school. That so we're, so we're, we're, that we are even in, we are, we've only just, uh, earlier this year before COVID, we set up the charity and had big, big plans. And now we're like, what's going to happen? What, mm. you know, because there's no social distancing in a sweat lodge. <laughs> <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> Oh man. Wow. That, that is so beautiful. Um, we will have to wrap it up. Wow. Lynn, this has been amazing. I just want to say we do have to wrap it up. Um, there's a, so two things as we wrap it up. The first one is how can people get in now the, for the sweat lodge, Lynn, is that open to everyone or is that only open to chiropractors? Um, so it's the, the weekend, it's a three day event. Um, we've always, um, the reason we do it 
for chiropractors, chiropractic spouses, CAs, yeah. people involved in chiropractic, is because I tend to use so much chiropractic language. Okay. Uh, it's it actually, and, and you know, and it, and if you're not either, like, if somehow you're not involved in something, it's yeah. it kind of, you know, somebody directly off the street would probably struggle, like, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, you know, everybody's getting adjusted and, and yeah. you know, and, and I, I don't know. We're, we may move to, I think we will probably move towards doing them for uh, non-chiropractors as well, because yeah. or non-chiropractic women, because there's so much to offer in terms of all women need to be empowered, right? Mm -hmm. All women need to be empowered. So, yeah, I, that I don't know. Okay. It, for the time being, you would have to be pretty conversant with, um, you know, like getting adjusted. It could be somebody that gets adjusted frequently and, and, and has friends that are chiropractors, you know, and then mm. is kind of comfortable around that. Otherwise, we're like Martians to the outlet. You know, <laughs> There's know a commonality. Like, you know, right? Remember, we're quacks. Yeah. <laughs> so how would, how would they get in contact? How, how would they reach you? Lynn, what's the best way? Is there a website? Would they add you as a friend on Facebook? Yeah, probably add me. For the time being, add me as a friend on Facebook. Okay. I'm the only Lynn McAvenia in the world. So <laughs> <I'm easy to laughs> I love that. I'm the only Therese Padigian in the world, and I'm like, I'm the only one. No one else. Oh, that is awesome. Are, yeah. Cool, I, yeah, I actually I think it's really cool. <laughs> and my um, the the final thing I'd love to leave with is: is there anything else you would love to share, or a bit of advice that you would just love to leave all the listeners with? Oh gosh, and thought of that. Um, I would say in this time of so much uncertainty and so much uh, aggression and he's right and she's right and they're wrong and all that and all the, the, the budding heads over all these things. Be kind. Mm. Be kind to other people. It's so easy to get into these fights on the, you know, on social media and be off, you know, like, ah, you're wrong and we're right and you know, and it's just like, be kind. Everybody is fighting a, a hard battle. You know, we're all going, we're all going to the same place. We're all going to the same place in the end. And be kind to yourself. Mm. You know, uh, now, you know, just don't judge yourself. Don't, you know, just be kind. Mm. Something I have to remind myself of every day. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Oh, man. Wow, Lynn, with that, I just want to say thank you so much.